You're listening to Hort Skills on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Scott Smith, and each episode will explore an important horticultural skill. Soil is the commodity that all gardens need to grow. There are, of course, exceptions with regards to hydroponics and so on, but for the most part, I think it's fair to say any exceptional garden or design landscape has well-tended soil. It's important to figure out what your soil consists of, both in terms of pH and in terms of texture makeup, in order to understand how it will behave. pH stands for potential hydrogen. The pH scale denotes the acidity or alkalinity of a solution on a logarithmic scale. The scale goes from 0 to 14. 0 is extremely acidic, 7 is neutral, and 14 is extremely alkaline. We say it is a logarithmic scale because the scale goes up exponentially. Going up by a value of 1 is an increase tenfold. So this means a pH of 8 is 10 times more alkaline than a pH of 7. A pH of 9, however, is 100 times more alkaline than a pH of 7. An ideal garden pH is thought to be around 6.5, slightly acidic to neutral. I would say, however, though, that anything from 5.5 to 8.5 is generally thought to be healthy and workable. Less or more would mean a narrower range of plants that can be grown and would also require perhaps some soil amelioration in order to raise or lower the pH. Soil can have its pH raised to become more alkaline by using products such as calcium in the form of lime. Products are typically chalk, which is calcium carbonate, quicklime, which is calcium oxide, Dolomitic or magnesium limestone, which is magnesium calcium carbonates, or perhaps calcified seaweed. Typically, assoil naturally becomes more acidic over time. The reason for this is that plants remove calcium and magnesium from the soil, slowly making it more acidic. Plants also naturally release hydrogen ions into the soil, slowly making it more acidic as well. Adding organic matter will lower pH and rain, which is acidic, will also lower pH of the soil over time. By adding lime to a soil, you actually neutralize the soluble acids that occur in the soil. You also cause hydrogen ions held on to the soil particles to be replaced with calcium ions. Hydrogen ions leach back out into the soil solution, therefore raising the pH. Sandy soils naturally suffer from leaching more than any other soil, so this means that they quickly become more acidic. Clay and hummus-rich soils retain calcium better and are therefore less acidic typically. You can test your soil pH at home with a simple test kit that you can buy from any garden centre or online. Before this, however, you need to take a soil sample. Generally, topsoil is about 0 to 150 mil. This is where the samples are required. Subsoil samples, however, about 450 to 600 mil deep, are only really needed if deep-rooted plants are to be planted. Sampling a single sample of soil is unlikely to present an accurate representation of what the soil is, even within a small area. As such, we typically take 10 to 20 samples randomly, which are all become together to make up a single composite sample and will present an accurate soil representation for the area. A specific pattern known as zigzag or W should be followed. By W pattern, we literally mean taking your 10 to 20 samples that will leave little holes, and if you were to join up all the holes, it would make a W-shaped pattern. Imagine join the dots and a big letter W appears. An auger is used to take deeper samples, whilst a handheld soil gauge may be used to take topsoil samples. These topsoil gauges actually look a bit like the ones that you use to scoop out a perfect chunk of Parmesan cheese out of a big wheel. After the samples are collected and placed into a container or bucket, they're mixed thoroughly. 
any stones or detritus are removed, as well as any fauna like worms and so on. Next, the sample is dried to remove any water content. This can be done in an oven or microwave, but it can also simply be left on a heater for a few days. Once it's dried, it can be sieved for testing. A sample of about 100 grams should be sufficient. Next, we need to use a garden riddle with a 2 mil grid to remove any small stones or flint, etc. You can then crush the soil sample through the sieve or use a pestle and mortar to help break up the aggregate lumps. Once this is mixed thoroughly, it should be reduced to a fine powder ready for testing. Soil pH kits typically contain a pH colour scale chart, a test tube, a scooping spoon, universal indicator fluid and barium sulphate powder. To use a kit, simply put the right amount of soil into the test tube according to its type. Sandy soil needs about 30mm worth, a loam about 20mm worth, and clay soil about 10mm worth. Next, add the barium sulphate powder up the test tube and make it a combined depth with the soil up to 40mm. So for example, sandy soil of 30mm would be put in, you'd only need 10mm of barium sulphate. If you were using loam, 20mm of loam, then 20mm of barium sulphate, and so on. Next, add deionized water to bring the level of the mark up to the lower mark on the test tube. Finally, add the universal indicator to bring the solution up to the correct mark on the tube. This will be obvious, it'll probably be a big red line on the outside of the tube. Now put the lid on, shake well, and leave the test tube to stand undisturbed for about 10 minutes or so until the coloured solution above the soil is seen. Once the colour is fairly settled and quite obvious, hold this up against the pH colour chart. This will tell you what the pH value of your soil is. Sometimes plants can naturally indicate the pH of the soil below. Hydrangea macrophylla, the French hydrangea, is a famous example of this. If the flowers are blue, it indicates the soil below is acidic. If the flowers are pink, it indicates the soil below is alkaline. There are other plants too which give obvious signs. Plants like rhododendrons and azaleas, they all thrive in acidic soils. These are known as ericaceous plants or lime-hating plants. Plants, however, such as Bodleia clematis and brassicas, such as broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, so on, these all thrive in alkaline soils. A proper scientific lab test will reveal much more than a simple home test. Local scientific institutions in your area will perhaps offer in-depth testing to provide not only an accurate soil pH value, but also provide a soil makeup. It can also help to provide you percentages of your soil makeup, and maybe even help give advice on how to ameliorate your soil for the purposes you wish to grow your plants. It will also identify things such as metals and chemicals in the soil makeup and percentages of how prevalent they are. This can be important if growing edible crops. I have personally had to send soil samples off to a lab for testing before to check for heavy metal contents. No, not Iron Maiden or ACDC. Heavy metal contents, I was talking about those in the soil which were safe for growing crops for public consumption. Gardening has come a long way from the chemical fest that used to be in the 50s, 60s, 70s. Back then, any old highly toxic stuff was used as long as we eliminated this pest or sorted that issue, it didn't matter. However, these can have a lasting effect on soil, unfortunately. As they say, knowledge is power, so the more you know about your soil, then the better equipped you are to understand what to expect from it, and how best to use it or how best to ameliorate it to get it to the structure and the pH that you want. So we've discussed soil pH and testing for it, but what about the soil structure and makeup? Well, soils are typically made up of clay, silt or sand. A loam is a satisfactory mix of all three components. Soil triangles exist which allow you to plot out your percentage of each in order to figure out what the exact consistency is. 
by plotting the percentage of clay, percentage of silt, and percentage of sand, then you can draw lines. Where the lines intersect is exactly what your soil makeup is on the soil triangle. In order to find out what each of these percentages are, you can perform sieve analysis. So sieve analysis is, requires a special set of sieves that they're quite commonly available to buy. They actually stack on top of each other, usually five or six sieves, and they become finer and finer as the sieves go down the stack. You'll need to take that dried 100 gram sample as we discussed earlier. Clay particles are so tiny they can't easily be graded out. If you dry tested your sample, clay particles will coat the larger sand and silt grains and this will actually increase their weight in proportion to the clay remnant. As such, you need to remove the clay particles first, typically by washing the sample through repeatedly. Next, what you can do is take your scales. Place a piece of paper or standard plastic on your scales to catch all your sample. Tear the scales to zero, or if you can't tear your scales, then you'll have to take account of the weight of the paper to take it off your total. Arrange the soil sieves so that the largest screen's at the top, followed by a decrease in screen size to the bottom. Your original 100 gram sample with the clay faction has now been washed through. Reweigh that sample now and record this weight. This will obviously be the clay fraction. Place your soil sample that's left into the largest sieve. Shake it for around two minutes and let everything drop down into the sieve below. Next, take the remnants that have stayed in sieve one and place it on your paper for weighing. Write down this figure. This is the coarse sand fraction. Again, with your next sieve, shake it for two minutes. Let everything that's going to fall through fall below. Take it out, weigh it. This is the medium sand fraction. Take your third sieve, shake it for two minutes, let everything that's going to fall down below fall out, weigh it. This is the fine sand fraction. Next, take the lowest sieve, shake it through for two minutes. Anything that comes through here will be the finest sand fraction, just over 0.06 millimeters in size. Place any of the remaining soil from the receptacle onto the weir, and this will be the silt fraction. Now you need to convert each of these percentages into your sample. So... Deduct the weight of the paper if needed. Finally, find the difference between your initial sample weight and 100 grams. This was the clay fraction that was washed out. Each subsequent result divided by the total soil mass of 100 is a percentage of a particle fraction. So, sounds complicated, but put it this way. If your original sample was 100 grams, and once you've washed it and reweighed it, it's 70 grams, then this means that 30 grams is your clay fraction i.e. because it's 100 grams, it's nice and easy to work out the maths. 30 grams is 30%. If you weighed out 25 grams, say, of all the total sand, so that's adding up all the sand, then that would be your percentage, 25% for 25 grams. The remainder would be your silt fraction. So again, if this was 45 grams, 45%. Any difference between the sample you weighed and the sand silt total should be minimal and accounted for as losses of dust. But this is natural, don't worry. By plotting these percentages on the soil triangle, you'll then work out what your soil is. For example, in our case, we're going to plot 30% clay, 25% sand, 45% silt. You'll then put these dots on, draw a straight line, and at the point of intersection, this will tell you exactly what our consistency is. In our case, it would mean our soil is a clay loam. Soil tests are actually a fantastically fun and highly informative activity. I would love it if you got out there and gave it a go in your own garden. It's really not as complex as it sounds. It just takes a wee bit of practice. You may even find that it totally changes the way you go about tending to your garden and growing the plants that you pick. Upload your resume to hortpeople.com. 
you never know who's searching for staff near you. And feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Find me at Scott H. Smith, MCI Hort, Dip Hort, RHS.